Third time's the charm. Welcome, guys, uh, to Pints and Pros, episode number five. You're here with Zach. And I'm Tristan. And I'm Andrew. And this week, for our select brew, our select pint, what do we have, Andrew? Uh, we're, it's a lovely day for a Guinness. Oh, man. It truly is. And Tristan and I and Andrew are enjoying our pint of Guinness. Finally, we get to my favorite. Um, and ironically enough, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes because we are talking about the hero's journey. A topic that if maybe you're familiar with as a writer or really any realm of storytelling... The hero's journey is sprinkled throughout cinema, uh, books, ancient myths, and folklore. You can find the hero journey just about anywhere. So I kind of thought we'd get into that this week with the concept and meaning. Where did that idea of the hero's journey come from? Um, Tristan, do you know? But the origin of it? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we're being honest. Yeah, I have no idea. So it's a good uh, we're, it's a, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. I think it's important to, to before we get into this film, it, this is uh, a formula that is only for books that will succeed or stories that will succeed. In, in theory. In theory. In theory. So this is, yeah, this is a formula that is uh, supposed to be successful to any... Um, story or movie or anything like that, book, novel, that uh, will be engaging, interesting, and have the the um, connection with the reader or audience goer that will evoke emotions. Right. And I think we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording the podcast. And I believe there's um, it's kind of been a literary and storytelling phenomena that's surfaced just throughout the ages. There was one writer in particular that you mentioned um, actually started documenting it and mm-hmm. ex- explaining and detailing each step of the journey. Who was that again? So Joseph Campbell wrote a book in 1949 um, called A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And what Campbell did was he uh, saw this narrative kind of um, sprinkled throughout uh, ancient folklore and as well as modern stories um, in history, and saw a repeating pattern for the hero, so to speak. And then he wrote that book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, and the argument could be made, actually, that a hero's journey touches every art of storytelling um, that we see. And you can find it in movies, you can find it in books. But that's kind of where the origin came from, and um, so. And one thing I wanted to, to clarify is, you say it um, is specifically about the protagonist or the hero, but it's not so much about the the hero themselves, like the the character development, mm-hmm. but what so much as how the story surrounds and involves them. It's it's the plot through the story that right. we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not. It doesn't have to be about the hero. I mean, your hero could be an anti-hero or even a villain that you're writing about. Mm-hmm. But he, they will be following uh, certain um, archetypes throughout the story that 
is what he, this is what he suggested. And Mm -hmm. as we get into kind of these different um, plot points in every story, we'll take a look at. Um, But I wanted to mention that Christopher Volger, I think, I think that's his name. Mm -hmm. He wrote kind of a rendition or an update of the hero's journey called um, The Writer's Journey. And he did work in Hollywood on movies um, and really refined the hero's journey into more of um, more modern terms. One, One side note, one of his noteworthy things that he worked on was um, the Lion King? Christopher Volger was um, involved with the writing the script of the of the Lion King. Yeah, and I li- Tristan lended me the book, The Writer's Journey, and I'll have to give it to you, Andrew, because okay. it it it's awesome. But you wouldn't think that, um, yeah, even in the Lion King, you wouldn't think that he follows the hero's journey. And sure enough, you get into these plot points, and it's like, up, oh, you can see that in any story. So I thought it'd be cool if we kind of went into these plot points mm-hmm. kind of discussed them a little bit um, with our listeners. Andrew, you want to kind of break down maybe one? Um, sure. So um, you guys can either search for this online, uh, Google it, or look for um, The Hero's Journey, and you'll find a, a map. It's just simple plot points around a circle. And there's two aspects to it that we're going to consider. The first part is the ordinary world. So this is everyday life, the the kind of monotony that is um, your boring everyday job. Yeah. And then the other half of it is the special world. This is the this amazing new uh, life or this um, culture or this entire organization, society that the... Um, when the protagonist was in the ordinary world, they had no idea about. But once they got into the special world, they, this whole opportunity opens up to them. So this first plot point we're going to talk about is taking place in the ordinary world. And that's number one. It's just setting the scene. What is the ordinary yeah. world? Basically, the hero's everyday life, what they're normally used to, nothing special. Mm-hmm. Just kind of an, an intro, a setup as to what they are like. So... Let's use, because we can use this with any story. Right. So let's say The Wizard of Oz is super basic, super simple, to kind of help correlate this with the actual hero's journey. So let's use that as an example. Dorothy. We've got her in the ordinary world. Yeah. That's the first one. The second one would be Call to Adventure. So that's some life-changing event that completely um, it changes their either their view on life, their realization of how the world works, or starts their their journey from the ordinary world to the special world. Right. And then... It's an invitation to them having an adventure or starting their story. Yep. Now, the third one, I'll take the third one, is uh, a refusal of the call. Uh, normally, in these stories, most of the time when they have the opportunity to go on their, on their adventure or they are invited to, to go to the special world or go on a journey, they are hesitant. They're, it's different from their ordinary life that they've already, we've already seen what their ordinary life is. And usually they refuse the call. So that number three is the refusal of the call to adventure. And I would say that 
based on from from the consumer standpoint, that's not necessarily going to be a standard. You might not find that in every single case. No, a lot of these when you get into to books, it's not like they have to meet every single one of these points. Right. And that's why we'll get into it in a little bit, but it's kind of controversial with just what do you prefer? Do you prefer looking at this with plotting your stories or do you just say scrap the whole thing i'll do it the way i want to do it i know some people skip some of the steps too yeah they'll use this as an archetype but they'll skip a lot like meeting a mentor they'll skip that yeah and so that's point number four is that you know the the old wise man that leads their way and and tells them how the world that the special world that they're about to cross it over how that works yeah so that would be dorothy meeting i don't know probably the the White good witch, witch the good yeah. witch, the good whatever she's called. I, I was thinking like, um, if you're using Star Wars as an example of this, it's when Luke meets Obi Wan. Okay, let's yeah, use okay. Star Wars. Why did I even bring up the Wizard of Oz? I don't know. No, I thought it was a you caught me completely off guard. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I, I was even. The, we we could have used Star Wars. We could have used Dune. We could have used the Matrix. Yeah, seriously. it's like any story I'm more familiar with than the Wizard of Oz, and that's the one. I mean, I, I will give you that the Wizard of Oz was technically a book first. Yeah, which keeps in line with which our keeps in line podcast. with the theme of prose. But we're we're just going. We're sticking all. with Star Wars. I like that. Okay, that's fine. So and, I, and Star Wars pretty much meets almost all of these points. Yeah. So point four, meeting the mentor, Luke meets Obi Wan, and then he becomes aware of this whole new world, uh, Jedi's and uh, the rebellion against the Empire. Yeah. So and that would that would be. Fine. Sorry to cut you off. No, that's fine. Go ahead. That would be crossing the threshold where Luke leaves the ordinary world. We have the hero. He's fine with, uh, you know, being on Tatooine. Being at a the dirt farm. farmer, yeah, and then he has to leave dirt that dirt farmer. Really? How long has it been? He's a moisture farmer. <laughs> the exact Come on, opposite. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's been. Um, and then he, when he after he meets Obi Wan, uh, and his aunt and uncle die, he has to cross that threshold into that special world, and that's number five. So at, at this point, once. Once the person has become aware of this special world, they they face that realization that now they have to figure out how to deal with it. And that's usually once they come across some form of test and they start forming allies, enemies, and, and they realize that there's going to be an end goal mm-hmm. for the special world that they they have to deal with. Tristan, six? Yeah. No, well, what's six? Test allies and enemies. Oh. Seven is the approach. I don't know how that would work with Star Wars. <laughs> Approaching what the Death Star? Like uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, he's built or learning up. his Jedi training. I guess is that a, an approach? I yeah, don't know. you could I use would, that. I would say they kind of fall under tests. That's the thing with Seven is, and looking at this, it's it, there's there's a lot more steps. There's twelve in total, and this is just kind of like a segue that can be blended in mm-hmm. with six. I think. And in fact, I think that this is the from the adaptation because I was looking at something up earlier and from the original one who is the the writer for the Joseph 49 49 right um I believe his original archetype had 17 steps yeah so like we said you can kind of this is just a a general we're trying to set up how the concept of the hero's journey works and then we'll see how it applies in, in practicality but just to give you an idea of 
Um, yeah, just different the examples. The basic. Mm-hmm. So eight would be the ordeal, death, and rebirth, and that's all one step. They meet some sort of trial, um, and the hero can die, not in maybe a literal sense, although that could work, but um, in a character sense, maybe in a spiritual sense, and then their rebirth as being born into the final <clears throat> hero that they have to become to conquer the ordeal. And then um, that finally goes into uh, the reward, or, or what's called seizing the sword. Um, and so in this case, it would more than likely be um, Luke's coming to the terms of the fact after Obi-Wan's death, so the number eight being the death, that he's completely immersed in this world. He understands how it works. He understands what the rules are. And he's coming to terms with this newfound power that he has. And, and he's got to be a Jedi. Right, exactly. How how that now applies with his, his new life and how that coincides with the... Um, the test that we talked about earlier or essentially the end goal of what this special world is all about. Number 10 is the road back, the next step. So eventually at, at this point, the the hero has gone to the special world and he's gained these attributes. He's uh, died in a sense of his former self and been reborn as someone new, someone capable of seizing the sword, becoming someone who's capable of saving the world or the universe or the galaxy. And now he's got to And get now back. he's got to go back to where he came from as a new reborn character individual. Yeah. So he heads back to the ordinary world that he came from, but he's completely changed. And I think that can tie in with number 11, uh, Resurrection, because they're born again as this hero right. um, coming to terms with the newfound power and um, knowing that that they've crossed that threshold back to the ordinary world but with the new power um, and that would that would entail conquering the evil destroying the death star um, whatever it is yeah and then um, have we touched on 12 I think that's the the last one the returning with the elixir aspect um, I also think that can um, tie in with the other literary trope of uh, a MacGuffin which is um, usually some kind of unknown or mysterious object that that kind of moves the plot forwards a lot of people might think of Deus Ex uh, Machina no not exactly so Deus Ex Machina is a literary trope where it's the phrase literally translates a god out of the machine, where yeah. in classical Greek plays, the plot's going along, the plot's going along, the hero in his journey <coughs> has no way out, and all of a sudden... Something impossible happens. One of the gods appear and fixes everything. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a cheat. A lot of people oh, of course. accuse Agatha Christie of doing that a lot, yeah. pulling, pulling out a character to be the murderer that wasn't alluded to or foreshadowed yeah, earlier on came in and nowhere right so a, a MacGuffin is an object that drives the plot oh, so right. some device so a lot of people might think of Dashiell Hammett's Maltese Falcon mm-hmm. the Maltese Falcon is kind of a obscure generic no one knows what it is or what it looks like until the very last scene of the book mm-hmm. and but that, spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> for that, how old is that book Six, 60 years old at least it's still really a classic old. um and it doesn't even just have to. Yeah, it can be anything. It just right. That, that's so what would what would what do you think that would be in Star Wars? You the know, and that's favorite? that's the one thing that the I don't. Force? 
I no, don't... it's not a literal object, but the Isn't thing it that though? no, 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 it's that the returning with the elixir would be the final scene. Where... Oh no, 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 I'm not talking about that. I was talking. I was uh, more. You're talking about the MacGuffin. Yeah, in Star Wars, it might not apply. No, not even the yeah. Force. Because I mean, that, that sometimes the Force. Is... I guess it could be in an intangible sense, but the... it has to literally be an object, usually. Traditionally, yes. Okay. I mean, as a plot point, it could, but if, from my understanding of that that particular story, the Force isn't a driving point of the plot of the entire movie. Is it, it though? Uh, we're we're going to get into like a Star Wars argument. Right, right. right. And, and that, <laughs> a little off track. Never right. mind. Just, Never just mind. a little bit. Another and, time. I mean, I've actually been looking for some more literary examples of of how the hero's journey applies Mm. right now i'm going through dune for the first time and i think that's a great example because we're following uh paul atreides as he moves from his home planet uh, i believe it's caladan to arrakis Mm. and we see a lot of these steps being hit oh yeah we we see the um, meeting of a mentor through all the people training him switching from the the home he's used to the ordinary world to this new unknown world of Arrakis and so I mean that that's a great literary example so wrapping up these 12 we can just that's the full hero's journey 1 through 12 and I kind of wanted to get into applying it to you know modern day stories because I mean Joseph Campbell came up with the these ideas in 49 so since then, they've been expounded upon, they've been tested in and out of writing, books, um, movies. And I wanted to ask you guys, what what do you think when it comes to people thinking, okay, we have to have this to plot on our book. I'm going to take the hero's journey. Mm. I'm going to wrap my story in it. I'm going to break it down, plot it together, and apply it. Because I want my story to be the best there is. Or you all have someone else who says, I'm just going to scrap the whole thing and do my own story the way I want to do it. I think it's just a a good guideline. I don't think you have to stick to this exact formula. I think um, the more more you you stray from the the norm, the sometimes the better. So... But I mean, I think it's a great guideline. I I used it when when I'm I write and stuff like that. I mean, it it's uh, it's good for for outlining and plotting what you want to happen in yeah. your in your book and your novel. It's a good guideline, Andrew. Um, I'm somewhat conflicted. I feel that from a writer's standpoint, it's a crutch because oh, absolutely. you don't want to be predictable in your writing. You want what you, for your audience, you want them to be surprised. You want them to be entertained. You don't want them to necessarily expect what's coming. I, To me, it frustrates me when I'm watching a movie with someone who is better at predicting movies than I am. And they say, oh, this is going to happen by this point in the movie. And they're right because they're following such a stereotypical archetype. See, movies are different because they don't, they follow the three act well, act one, act two, act three, which I think is a lot easier. Well, Dune literally has book one, book two, book three. Right. So you can make the same <laughs> argument. Right. But I'm and I'm just using that as as an example for a um, multi viewing, so several people experiencing the same thing at once. 
Oh, okay. Um, so to me, that frustrates me. So as a writer, I, I don't want that. I don't want people reading part one or, you know, the first half of my book and knowing exactly, knowing what's, exactly what's going to happen at the end. I think that's, that's, I mean, unless you're really good at predicting the end of books, that's not going to happen because, yeah, there's a plot kind of outline that every story follows. We all know that. There's there's a hero, let's call mm-hmm. him a hero, protagonist, and there's some sort of conflict. And the protagonist's goal is to resolve the conflict. And he meets allies and he makes enemies. And then he finally either resolves the conflict or is destroyed and learns some valuable lesson. Or he does resolve it and everything gets back to the way it's supposed to be. That's You can't have a story without that. While that's true, I know a, a few people who will stop reading a book because they know what's going to happen at the end. But how could they possibly? That's they guess it. They'll flip to the end. It's right, and so they just stop reading the book. That's when I know that's rare, and it's you're uncommon. just a horrible writer, yeah. in that you are just a cookie cutter. I, I, I mean, like that, that. That definitely could be the case, but I, I'm saying as far as <clears throat> when you're writing, following a formula that puts you into to the danger zone of having exactly that happen to you. For your audience, I think this tool is incredibly preliminary, though. Like, we're talking first stages. Like, this this doesn't dictate your entire story. I mean, this is just a guideline that helps you write your story. I would liken it to like if you were to take this and uh, and put it on a table, and then throw like a thin sheet over it. You could see it. Your friend, like your friends, you would mm-hmm. be able to predict it as you're watching it. Oh, oh, whereas a great story and a great writer will take this guideline and throw a thick blanket over it, and this it's still underneath it, but you can't see it coming. So from from what you're saying, I almost get the sense that it if you guess the plot points, that's fine, but it's more about the journey going through the plot oh, yeah, points absolutely. and how that relates to your. You own. can we, shift we all knew these plots. We we knew Luke was gonna win. We all knew it. Did you though? The first time you watched it. Oh, so long. Yeah, ago. I thought I, mean, I honestly was like, does a five-year-old predict the end of Star Wars? I don't <laughs> no, know. I didn't see it when I was five. Like, I saw it when I was much older. I, I wasn't interested in it when I was younger. But I, you, you, you kind, you got to kind of know, like, well, usually mm-hmm. with mainstream stuff, you got to know that the hero is going to win. So okay, and the reason why I said I was conflicted earlier is because I also want to make the argument that. I there are certain stories that I love that I don't necessarily want to reread or rewatch oh, over and over and yeah. over because no matter how much you love them, to a certain extent, they get old. Yeah, Star Wars is a great example of that. I think a perfect example of that is Indiana Jones. <laughs> I, I want the same thing over and over and over, but I don't want to watch the same movies yeah. over and over great and over. Films. Great so films. So if you take the archetype of that style... Except for number four. I don't want to see them. There's only three Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I was unaware of and, and so that that's how I feel about a lot of the books that I read is I appreciate the writing. I appreciate the style. I appreciate the, the formula they use, whether it's this one or di- a different one. But I don't want to read the same story to get that same feeling. I, I want to have a new story oh, yeah, yeah. with that same formula and get that same feeling. Yeah. So, so that that That's would be that about. would be my argument for it. You can see all the plot points, but it's a completely different. 
character structure, yeah. different world, different environment. Still an incredibly enjoyable experience, though, because of how well-crafted it was. Even if this is underneath it, you know, framework-wise. Right. It's like a pepperoni pizza versus a sausage pizza. It's still a pizza. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I gotta say that when I first started developing uh, the book I'm working on now, I did not use The Hero's Journey. I scrapped it had read Christopher Volger's book, uh, The Writer's Journey. Uh, and it's good. It's good to reference good in your book. writing. Yeah. But I didn't think it was necessary to help with my story development. And as I got 100 pages into the novel, 200 pages into the novel, I started losing focus of the narrative. It just got harder and harder to know where it was going because there's so many moving parts you don't anticipate. <clears throat> so going through the second draft and doing a lot of rewriting, I got a notebook, I sat down, and I spent literally a week of just plotting out my book, looking at the hero's journey, studying the hero's journey, and not cookie, cookie cutter, but as kind of like what Tristan was saying, as that backdrop to hold your story against it. And I plotted out every single chapter. And for someone who hates plotting and never done it, in the second draft of my book, it has been super effective. Yeah. And now I, I actually have a lot more respect and appreciate this hero's journey because... I got to say, like you said, Andrew, I don't, I think there's a lot of predictability when it comes to these plot points, but knowing these points can help your narrative, not necessarily be predictable if you don't cookie cut, mm -hmm. but helps you focus on what the end is, whether the hero wins or whether he dies or resolves the conflict, it can still help you get to that point in I found the hero's journey to be super effective in that. I, I like it. I, I think it helps my stories, mm -hmm. but which surprised me because you and Tristan agree. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the this podcast can handle it. This is rare. Once so, in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. But okay, that's that's. A but good again, point. That's I, a good I, argument to help with your writing. It, it's it's helped me. I don't think that every single writer it works for them. Mm -hmm. Do what works for you. Yeah, but. Definitely check it out and look into the writer's the writer's journey, the hero's journey, because you never know. It could if you're a plotter, it could help you plot your book. If yeah. not, don't use it. Yeah. It can't hurt. Yeah. Look at any mainstream story, The Matrix, even The Lion King. You know you're gonna see the hero's journey in there. Yep. Um, Red Rising. I just read the Red Rising trilogy. By Pierce Brown. Awesome trilogy. Freaking amazing writer. You can totally see the hero's journey in there. Yeah. <clears throat> and he changes some plot points. And you can do that. You can move these around. Absolutely. I think you should. To, yeah. to be unpredictable. Nobody they don't have to meet the mentor on number four. You can move that to right before number eight. or You know, maybe as a direct affront to 
the whole concept. They can start in the special world and be completely turned upside down and unable yeah. to comprehend how the ordinary world works. See, that's why I like this too, because it's like you said, this is a guideline, kind of like a cookie cutter thing. Mm -hmm. If you were to take a look at this and apply it to stories and you wanted to create something new, just like you said, throw it around, mix it up, mm -hmm. create your own uh, steps, you know, as far as they go. Start in the special world, end in the ordinary. Uh, that's the thing that's good because you can take whatever you're working on and, and line it up against what has worked in the past and see if you can find a new avenue to be more engaging or, you know, create, some, create something really cool yourself. Yeah. What's funny is with um, your book, Tristan, mm -hmm. it is very, by definition, like the hero's journey. You right. have this hero yeah. who's taking a literal journey, Absolutely. this adventure, yeah. to the special world yeah. and conquering these enemies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you should have, did you look at this for your book? Absolutely. I did. Okay. Yeah. When you're I first, you're talking about Pre-Valor, right? Yeah. When I first read The Writer's Journey, I went back and changed a bunch of stuff. And it actually made my story make much more sense. I always had the guidelines there. Mm -hmm. You know, I've I've always been into books, so I think inherently someone who reads a lot of stories or watches a lot of movies will see this pattern. And when you're trying to create your own, you you know, you kind of have an idea. But once it was laid out in front of me, I was able to to move stuff around and it made my story make so much more sense. So you actually had to look at this to apply it to your own story. It wasn't something that you felt you intrinsically or subconsciously got from I, watching other stories I think it was copying their formula I think it was both to be honest okay um when it's just I didn't notice it I didn't know that I noticed these patterns in stories and I think that's what what the guy Joseph Campbell he said I think that's what he did he started saying like okay these stories what do they have in common why mm -hmm. are they successful why do they resonate with people and he started to to hone in on this and start studying it I would do the same thing. Like I would, I would try to find out what was successful in, in the stories that I liked, and it, they do have a pattern. It's intrinsic yeah. in storytelling. There's it's, just, it's good versus evil, yeah. and you have a hero who's trying to resolve some sort of conflict or defeat an enemy or get gain a prize, win a princess. Yeah, any story, your story, mm -hmm. this, this everything. This pattern just kind of focuses you like a laser. Yeah. Instead of just you being all over the place and shooting out in all directions. That's why I think it helps with getting to know your narrative. Sit down with your story. Look at the hero's journey. Look at how it can apply to your narrative. And it'll help you focus on your end goal. Yeah. Where do you want your story to go? Not necessarily copying yeah, step for point, step. Yeah, But it can really have a positive effect on your writing. And I think that's what we all want. We want yeah, that's, the that's best story cool. possible. Um, so check out the, the Hero's Journey if you guys haven't heard about it. Um, pick up Christopher Volger's book, The Writer's Journey, or even Joseph Campbell's original, uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. See if it helps you in your writing. Um, so I think, I think that about wraps it up. Um, I think you said we had a featured question for the podcast, right? We do. We have a featured question for this podcast. But before that, I wanted to close with your thought, Andrew. Okay. On is, do you think the hero's journey is necessary? 
Um, to apply. I, would, I would say no. No? No. Andrew? I'm interested. <laughs> I, I honestly think it's not necessary, but it will definitely help. Right. I, I agree. And then you, Zach? I think it's... I don't. It's not necessary, but it 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 could help your story. Take a look at it. You never know. Yeah. Okay. So this podcast featured question we have from Sam in who emailed us. He asked, "Should I keep my mainstream ending, as in happily ever after, or make my ending unconventional?" As in, kill the hero. Hmm. Unconventional. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Andrew's answer right there. First, let me say thanks, Sam, for your question. Um, that's a good question. And Andrew has already answered it. <laughs> no thank yous. Just just answer the question. <laughs> uh, so you're going to, you say to Sam, kill the hero. Unconventional. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to kill the hero, but... There's a, a musical concept called a suspended chord. Mm-hmm. It, most people, may, if, if they're not familiar with music theory, they may not understand what, it, what that means, but I know for a fact you, you've heard it. It's when a song ends on a chord that isn't in the key that you're playing in, and so it feels, it feels wrong. There, there's something incorrect in the way it ended. It feels like you, there needs to be a resolution, but there isn't. And I appreciate that because a lot of times in in real life, there's your life might have a re- resolution at the very end, but as far as one aspect of the story, it, it might just hang. There's there's a, a suspended cord hanging over your life. So that's that's the approach that I would say to take with the story. Okay, so let me just clear this up <laughs> because we're at some odds here. Um, you're telling me if Frodo gets to Mordor and he's about to drop the ring into the lava of the volcano and Smeagol sneaks up behind him, steals the ring, pushes Frodo in and runs off, you're okay with that. Okay, but that that would that would be killing the protagonist. So what I'm talking about is he gets there and they get caught and that's the end of the story. So cut it off you, before. Because you don't know whether he's alive. You don't know whether he escapes. Okay, you don't know I don't want to read your book anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mean, for for that might not be appropriate for every story. For example, Lord of the Rings for a, a, a okay, trilogy. I just told you where if it, I just read three books yeah, and spent. I would be so weeks. angry. Oh my gosh! Yeah, There'd that's what I'm saying. Fire in the backyard. <laughs> unconventional though doesn't necessarily always mean that the character has to die right and and that's 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 what i'm saying is it's there's a an air of suspense so no happily ever after okay i can respect that and it also depends on the story some some stories like frodo going to mordor after three books come on let the poor guy (laughs) get rid of the ring (laughs) okay yeah i respect so wait we i'm I, i gotta ask you andrew when you say that, like, does that pertain to you, your writing style or what you like to receive or consume as a consumer? Both. Because yeah. with a lot of the literary fiction I've read, um, uh, I mentioned Haruki Murakami a lot. That's mm-hmm. one of my influences, one of my favorite authors. 
um, a lot of his characters, the story will end, but it's not necessarily the way the protagonist wants. And so you get that feeling of, well, okay, where do I go from here? It's they, they have to move on with their life. And that happens a lot in real life. You yeah. get to a, a point in your life or a point in, in your story where you're not sure how to handle the situation, but there's just nothing you can do about it. It's just... So you're definitely unconventional ending. Yeah, okay. absolutely. But, but I, I just have to emphasize again, it, it depends on what the story calls okay. for. But I would lean towards unconventional. Okay. Tristan? Um, I'm conflicted on this one because I do think the unconventional method is is cooler because you don't know what's going to happen and you know um, it's kind of like Andrew said it's not sometimes we go to most times we go to books for escapism you know um, so sometimes you do want the the hero to get the girl and then to have kids and be happy mm-hmm. but you know sometimes a better story would be that he doesn't that he dies or she dies or something so i'm i'm conflicted on it it's it 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 comes down to the story um i tend to lean more towards happily ever after and hope and the themes like that but there i do enjoy sometimes when the hero dies yeah i i'd have to say that i like happily ever after because we live in this sucky reality yeah. so i'm reading to escape reality and get in these worlds that you can only read about. So to read a trilogy and get to the end and it ends unconventionally and leaves me unsatisfied, maybe the hero dies, maybe another main character dies or just doesn't go right, that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And that's okay when it comes to maybe not trilogies, maybe just a novel. Mm-hmm. And it's a good twist. I didn't see the ending coming. And it makes me think, I'm okay with that. But don't give me these characters that I fall in love with and escape reality with for a month or whatever, and then they all die or it just ends bad. Like, what the heck? I could have just turned on the news (laughs) and watched 30 minutes of the news. But I think it's it's all about how well, well done it is how carefully crafted and um, the feeling that you get as far as conflict resolution. Like we were talking about this before we started recording, but of Mice and Men, is there any other way that that could have ended? No. <laughs> I'm telling you like that. And that was, I, I didn't want to see But that like happen, I said, but. that's not a trilogy. And yeah, you feel for the poor guy. Right. But that is necessary. And if he didn't get killed in the end, then he's going to get murdered by a bunch of angry farmers. So he could have written it so that he ran away, you know, got away. I know, but now you're getting into literature, and that's Andrew's department. And <laughs> literature, <laughs> literature gets it ends pretty sad usually. It's it's more it, and real. I, I think that's the the difference in uh, the kinds of genres that we've chosen as far as our what we prefer to write in. Because it, that's true for sci-fi and fantasy. Typically, the point is escapism. Where with literary fiction, True. you're trying to make the person hyper aware of the fact that you life yeah, sucks. Life sucks. <laughs> Get used to it, right? So it, it's you know it depends on the genre, and you could sometimes have the the exact opposite reaction to that too. You know the 
your everyday guy might get the everyday girl. You know, I'm going to reserve judgment on this one because okay. I like both. No, I'm not going to reserve judgment. I, <laughs> I, I want... And there it is. There's your unresolved chord. Yeah, the, we, don't, the, we don't know what that Let's just leave wants. it at that. <laughs> let's just leave it at that. And, you know, I, we, we're going back and forth uh, between uh, literature and uh, cinema a lot. And I, I think I just wanted to do that once more by um, mentioning Stranger Than Fiction for its storytelling. Oh, um, it was an amazing movie, and I think it perfectly does both. Yeah. Has an a conventional yeah. unconventional. Ending I didn't even think about that. Because, you're right. And spoilers, the the point of the movie is that the protagonist uh, Will Ferrell. Are you really going to get into this right now? Quickly, quick, quickly, <laughs> okay. discovers that he's a a character in a well-known author's book, and through the process of finding out about it, he discovers that she's what's called the character killer. She at the end of the book, she kills her character. And he fights and fights and fights and, and tries to make sure that he doesn't die at the end of the story as she's writing, basically wait, wait, writing do, his life. Don't spoil it. His tragedy. What? Because I, we, I said spoilers. No, I'm not no, to spoil we, it now. No, we should tell them to just go see... If you have not seen Stranger Than Fiction, it's an awesome movie. Okay, well, the audience you know something unexpected happens. Yeah, now. and you, can you succinctly say what's your, your point without... My, my point is it ends in a way where it... There is both, both a happily ever after, but a, Unresolved. a character is killed, but it's n not the character you think it is. And it's not necessarily a character. So if that's obscure enough for you and that go sounds interesting, <laughs> go watch the movie. I was going to say, too, like um, The Great Gatsby's, mm -hmm. my favorite, favorite work of literature. And that was everyone's read the great gatsby i'm pretty sure have you guys okay good um <laughs> he was, was, dies again. that was for you guys the audience thought us freaking jay gatsby man protagonist never saw that coming no uh, at least it, i didn't when i read it 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 sucks but um i don't know hey that's literature for you yeah, that that sucks. i gotta but say that was, that was a, a fulfilling good one. End, yeah. ending though I, I i was satisfied with i didn't like that he died i fell in love with the guy but that was a satisfying ending that was crafted well that's why and, and see that's why i'm i'm going with sometimes killing the character is the ending that you're looking for because it satisfies the need for the book to end yeah Tristan knows that well, and if you haven't read his book, you don't know what I mean. <laughs> you have no but you know what? We're going to no go idea. We're so going to wrap this episode on that <laughs> enigmatic note. <laughs> Let's just leave on a cliffhanger here, uh, unresolved. What did you call that chord? <clears throat> Hashtag suspended chord. Suspended chord. Suspended chord. All right, guys. So uh, we want to hear from you. Send your questions if there's any topics or. Uh, featured questions you want us to show on the podcast, please email us at pintspros at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We get tons of emails, so we would thank you for your emails. And we can only pick one per show, one question per show. So um, keep the emails coming. Um, all right, well, we're signing out here for Episode 5, The Hero's Journey. See you guys uh, next podcast. All right, see you guys later. Take it easy.